New to the living healthy lifestyle or a healthy living veteran, this is your place for honest answers. Naturally Savvy with registered holistic nutritionist Andrea Donsky and health journalist Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Naturally Savvy. This is Lisa Davis. I am uh, solo today. I have got the fantastic Carolyn Dean, MD, ND, back on the show. We're going to be talking about magnesium and her book, The Magnesium Miracle. It is a second edition, Discover the Missing Link to Total Health. So excited. Dr. Dean, welcome back. Oh, thank you, Lisa. Good to be back. Call me Carolyn, please. Uh, well, Carolyn, I want to say that uh, I'm in complete agreement with the wonderful Christiane Northrup, MD. So many of us are familiar with her fabulous work. Uh, Dr. Carolyn Dean has been light years ahead of her time when it comes to the crucial mineral magnesium and its many life-saving uses. Her work is a gift to humanity. I highly recommend it. I agree wholeheartedly, Carolyn, because every time you come on, I learn something new about magnesium. I, I never knew before we started talking here on Naturally Savvy over the years how many incredible things that it does. So when did you first become aware of this magnesium and the miracle that it is? <laughs> well, it's quite fascinating because I was having heart palpitations and leg cramps and insomnia and neck and shoulder tension and all that living in New York and, and doing AIDS and chronic fatigue research in New York in the in the 90s, and Random House asked me to write a book on magnesium. I'd approached them with another book about Chinese medicine that I was working with with my, one of my Chinese medicine teachers. So they just asked me out of the blue because one of the editors was having migraine headaches, and she took some magnesium and it helped her. And she thought, well, I want to pass this knowledge along. And, and the first idea I had about it was, well, how can I write 300 pages on one mineral? And when I dove into the research, I was just astounded that, first of all, I was severely magnesium deficient. So I tried to treat my magnesium deficiency with magnesium and ended up getting severe laxative effects. So that sent me on another journey to find non-laxative magnesium. So it's, it's been an incredible journey since the late 90s that I've been following magnesium. And, and, and what's really fascinating, Lisa, is in the last maybe decade, People have been learning about magnesium, but at the same time, they're looking for other solutions to magnesium deficiency problems. And it's become very frustrating for me because um, in the, the second edition of Magnesium Miracle, it just came out this year in August, I listed 65 conditions that can be misdiagnosed as medical problems and they're really magnesium deficiency. And that's pretty scary. That is scary. And and how are we going to make, well, obviously you're here, so we're making people more aware, thank goodness, but this needs to be more available, this information across the board in terms of your physician, because I could just imagine people getting misdiagnosed, getting put on medications when the real issue is magnesium. And that is, that's heartbreaking. Well, it, it becomes very difficult. We, we have such an um, allopathic system in place mm -hmm. where the FDA protects the drug companies and only drugs are supposed to treat diseases. I, I've gotten into, uh, in, into the production of uh, magnesium products because they just weren't 
available. And what happens is the FDA will tell companies that produce magnesium that they're not allowed to say that their magnesium will help treat medical conditions. If you do that, then you're declaring that magnesium is a drug and you have to go through the billion-dollar drug trial to prove its safety and efficacy. So companies that produce magnesium or or even doctors that sell magnesium, uh, promote the use of magnesium for anything disease-related, they are blocked. So the education of the public depends on your show, Lisa. <laughs> and Oh, my in, gosh. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we're in a real bind. We're in a terrible bind because then... Um, say someone has a um, beneficial uh, reaction to magnesium, their, their atrial fibrillation or their angina or their high, high blood pressure, their migraine or their leg cramps at night, their insomnia, all these are magnesium deficiency symptoms. Say those symptoms uh, improve. Well, they go about and they'll tell their friends and family and get all excited. People don't believe them. People will not believe there's a simple solution. And what I started to say about in the past decade, what people have been doing to find out why they have so many chronic health symptoms, they're looking at their genes. They're trying to find the genetic mutations that are causing these problems. Or they're looking at all these esoteric, expensive supplements. They're going into heavy exercise, CrossFit, this whole biohacking business. They just can't believe that something as simple as magnesium should be taken care of first before they go into all this this biohacking. And backing up even more, magnesium is responsible for 700 to 800 different enzymatic processes in the body, including making your energy. So if you if you want to have energy in the day and you want to sleep at night, you need your magnesium. Instead, people are using, you know, caffeine and even the, the ketogenic diet people, they say, oh, yeah, drink all the caffeine, coffee you want, just put coconut oil in it. So there's all these bizarre, strange, almost uh, contradictory um, pr- prescriptions for people that are getting the public so confused. So I'm trying to make it simple, go back to drinking your water with sea salt, taking some magnesium, try to do it in such a way it's not laxative, and see how you feel. Then you can go biohacking after you're saturated with magnesium. Oh, I like that. Now let's talk about the laxative effect. Uh, how do we get the magnesium that doesn't cause that? How do we figure that out? Or is there? Didn't you develop something, Doctor Dean? I did, but you know, I'm I'm not here to t- talk about that. But yes, I've been wor- working. I have worked on a non-laxative magnesium, so I have that oh, um, available, and people can Google Google that. But see, what happened, Lisa, is in the original studies on magnesium. Some very brilliant female entrepreneur donated thousands of bottles of magnesium oxide to magnesium researchers. And magnesium oxide is only 4% absorbed, and it's a huge laxative. 
So sidebar, okay. 60% of the population is constipated, so it's going to help as a laxative. But if only 4% is absorbed into the bloodstream, how much or how little is going to be absorbed into the cells? Now, miraculously, because magnesium is so awesome, even with 4% absorption, all the studies with magnesium oxide showed improvement in people's health. So it came to the point with people like myself with a little bit of IBS and gluten intolerance type issues, people with leaky gut, they're having major laxative problems with most magnesiums, and they do need something that's absorbed at the cellular level. So um, I'm sort of talking around in a circle there. Hopefully your next question will bring me back on track. (laughs) Oh, no, I think it's great. No, I was thinking, I mean, my husband and I take natural vitality, and it's been great. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. Put it in water, and it tastes good, and yeah, it's great. And what you can do with the natural vitality magnesium, because it's a powder, you can put it in water, warm, hot, or just room temperature water, mix it up, and sip it through the day. And that way, it's less laxative. Because if you, if you take your day's dose all at once, then it can, in me especially, it can cause a laxative effect. So that's why I say try to make your magnesium as non-laxative as possible. And um, the absorption of um, the natural vitality, we don't even know. The studies on magnesium are so deficient and defective themselves that people really don't know the absorption of the various magnesiums. I'm going to have to do something, I think, to to um, to create the the information that people require so that they can get back on track with magnesium because what happens with magnesium testing is doctors are using a serum magnesium test and only 1% of the total body magnesium is in the blood serum. So it's always going to kind of be the same because you need magnesium to keep your heart rate going uh, properly. If you don't have enough magnesium, you get arrhythmias, atrial fibrillation, etc. So in order to keep the heart in balance, the body's feedback mechanism will pull magnesium out of muscles, sometimes bone, to make sure serum magnesium is always status quo. It's always the same. So when we blood test measure that, it always looks the same. So doctors don't even test for magnesium. Magnesium is the most important electrolyte in the body, but it will never be tested on an electrolyte panel because it always looks the same. Now, what's going on behind the scenes in the cells and in in the red blood cells, for example, is the magnesium levels are dropping when a person is under stress, when they're sweating out their minerals during heavy exercise, when they're on medications. There's so many medications now that that blow your magnesium levels all to bits. What are some of those? Well, the major ones, and it's reported in the black box warnings of the FDA, are the um, acid blockers, the TPIs, the uh, heartburn drugs, reflux drugs. uh, Does that make, uh, do you know what I'm talking about those drugs or do you want names? 
Uh, I mean, if you don't mind naming names, that could be helpful for people who are like, oh, I had no idea or I didn't see it on the box or this is something right. I need to, you know, make my, my loved one who's on this medication aware of. Right. Like Prilosec, for example, is one of them. What, um, what I have in my, the PowerPoint presentations I give to people is a list of drugs that, uh, that cause magnesium deficiency and and what's interesting, um, they tend to be the drugs that have fluoride attached to them. Now, this oh, may be an- another thing that you haven't heard, but um, fluoride has been added to drugs for the past couple of decades because it makes them stronger. It makes them uh, jump across the blood-brain barrier uh, and jump across the fatty membranes of cells. So it just makes them uh, more effective or more strong, whatever. But fluoride binds up with magnesium and makes magnesium unavailable. So whenever you take a fluoride drug, you have to take more magnesium so that you can you can have magnesium for the 700, 800 enzyme processes. And the um, fluoride drugs are like Celebrex, which has three fluoride molecules, Cipro, Ciprofloxacin is an antibiotic, and now it's being um, black boxed for tendon rupture. And Ooh. what I think is happening um, with the with Cipro and the tendon rupture is when the fluoride in Cipro breaks down off the molecule, binds with magnesium. That magnesium fluoride compound it actually deposits in tendons and cartilage and bone. And it's a very brittle substance. And then with uh, magnesium deficiency, you'll get muscle pain, muscle cramping. You can get a muscle cramp so bad that it will pull a tendon and rupture a tendon if the tendon is brittle. So And you can look up. There's so much uh, about Cipro uh, tendon rupture and toxicity, but... No one is talking about the fluoride component of uh, Cipro. Um, what I've heard uh, drug uh, researchers say is, well, oh, no, no, the, the Cipro doesn't break down. In, in our test tube research, the Cipro doesn't break down like that. It doesn't release the fluoride. Okay, well, you put that drug in the intestines with a trillion bacteria whose main job is to break down drugs and chemicals, they will break down that Cipro and release the fluoride. So yes. nobody's talking about that. They haven't got to that point yet. So then Prozac, the antidepressant, it's got three fluoride molecules. Side effects, the stated side effects are impairs brain function, causes tics and spasms, causes a, a lift in mood that leads to suicide and homicide. And the tics and spasms, that's a pure magnesium deficiency symptom. Paxil is another fluoride. Lipitor, the cholesterol inhibitor, is a fluoride molecule. And, and what is, what are its side effects? Muscle cramps, pain, stiffness, swelling, or weakness, muscle inflammation and necrosis, and tachycardia. As I said, with uh, magnesium deficiency, it's going to go to the heart and the heart has the highest amount of magnesium in the whole body, so that's got to account for something. You've got um, an antiarrhythmia drug called spikenide that has six fluoride molecules. What are the side effects of this antiarrhythmic drug? 
fast, irregular, pounding or racing heartbeat, shortness of breath, tightening of the lungs, chest wheezing, burning, crawling, itching, numbness, prickling, pins and needles or tingling feelings in the nerves. So I uh, maybe I'll just back up a tiny bit. The magnesium is responsible for how the muscles and the nerves work. Magnesium will allow a little bit of calcium into a muscle cell or a nerve cell to, ca- to cause a muscle firing movement or a nerve reaction, a nerve action potential where the nerve makes you feel something. So if you don't have enough magnesium to open the door a little bit, then the door will open really wide and a lot of calcium gets into these nerve and muscle cells and causes muscle and nerve twitching, irritation, and cramping. It it just goes on and on and on. The um, antacids, I, I don't know if I said Prevacid, that's another fluoride drug. The antifungal diflucan is a fluoride drug. Even the Flonase nasal spray, three fluoride molecules, or Advair, the asthma inhaler, three fluoride molecules. So you're you're spraying into your nose and into your lungs these um, potential magnesium deficiency um, drugs. It just sounds like everyone needs to be on magnesium, and especially if you're taking these drugs. I mean, it's so important I for know. so many different conditions. Yes, absolutely. And and then we come to the the literature about. 70 to 80% of people are already magnesium deficient, not even taking the very minimal RDA in our diet. And the, the, the reason for that is the soil has been farmed out of its magnesium and a lot of other minerals. So it's not in the soil, therefore it's not in the plants. It doesn't get into the animals who eat that plants, including humans. And Lisa, I've had situations with uh, uh, customers and clients who've been on raw food diets or the 40 ounces of green drink a day, and they're still having heart palpitations and leg cramps and anxiety and panic attacks, and they don't know where it's coming from. They start taking magnesium and they feel better, and they're shocked because they think that they're they're doing the best thing for their health, getting all their minerals, and they say, well, I eat organic, but if your organic farmer does not put rock dust back in the soil, then the soil is not going to develop the the uh, picometer-sized minerals it needs. And, and what happens in Big Agra is they spray so many chemicals on the soil, you don't have the bugs and the worms that will chew up the soil and the minerals spit it out the other end as picometer-sized mineral that is the only size that the plants will accept, and it turns out it's the only size that our human cells will accept. And that's what I'm working on, an ionized, a stable ionized magnesium where these ions and picometer size will, will go into the cells and be 100% absorbed and and not be unabsorbed to the extent that they go through the intestines and cause the, the laxative effect. It's really um, unbelievable that magnesium has all of this power, but I believe it. <laughs> I know. Yes, you've experienced it. You know I believe it, it but you know yes, I mean. yes. Yeah, and it's, I guess, it's really amazing. 
And we're just trying to educate people so they'll at least start taking it and not be distracted by by other other products, I guess I could say, where they haven't they haven't given magnesium a good good enough try, good enough um, experiment. See, we we become experiments of one when you do a clinical trial. You try to do ten thousand people and and see how they're doing. Most of the magnesium research is just done on on Joe Blow without even doing a beginning magnesium blood test. And then they're given magnesium and then the results come in and you really don't know, well, who's who's um, improving in their health because they were low to begin with. It's like they're using magnesium as a drug instead of finding out who's deficient, giving people the magnesium, seeing their symptoms improve, and then seeing their blood tests improve. But even that, Lisa, is going to be difficult because the the only real blood test for magnesium is an ionized magnesium blood test. It's a research tool. Not a lot of people are using it in, in clinical work. So, you know, I'm caught between this sheer magnesium that doesn't work, ionized magnesium I can't get. So I've been telling people to get a magnesium RBC test. You can even get that on the um, online, you know, without a doctor's recommendation, mm. and get a forty-nine dollar test for for magnesium RBC and follow your own results. But here's the clincher: there, in order to start optimizing your magnesium, you have to be at the highest levels of your your magnesium RBC test. The range is 4.2 to 6.8. So I want people to be around 6.0 to 6.5 because, like I said, if 80% of the population is deficient, then that 80% of the deficient population is showing up in these blood tests because a blood lab can only average your test results with the population that it's serving. So... Into the lab walks people who are mostly magnesium deficient. They have a range, but it's not normal. It's the range of a sick population. So try to get that bit of education across to the, to the public. It's so difficult because doctors don't even know what a magnesium RBC test is. So this is where I really... Um, try to make the most of my magnesium miracle book, the, this new edition, and really drum it home to people that they have to be their own experiment. They have to look up the hundred factors that cause magnesium deficiency, the 65 potential conditions, all their magnesium deficiency symptoms, their magnesium burn rate, how much they're burning off their magnesium, like I said, with their with medications or too much sweating exercise. And then they take their magnesium and as their symptoms improve, they get to the the point where they're saturated and maybe their magnesium RBC test is good and high. Maybe it's not so high. But what I'm trying to say is people need to be their own experiment. And, and, What's what's crazy and what I know we're 
yeah, I'm trying to speed talk here, but I, I want to make <laughs> one major point. When I oh. was researching magnesium, I came across a, a PhD, Mildred Zielik, who's a, a famous magnesium expert. She said when she worked in a drug company when she was first out of med school, she was asked to follow people's mineral levels and vitamin levels when they took drugs. And she found that invariably when a person took a drug, their serum magnesium levels increased. And then after about six or eight weeks, the serum magnesium levels went really low. And what she surmised was that when you take a drug, it's a shock to the body. The body um, pulls magnesium out of your muscles and bones in order to deal with that stress of the drug. And you have a transient elevation in your serum magnesium. And then the more you take the drug, the more magnesium you use up, and then you become deficient. And then the drug side effects start appearing. When she took that information to her superiors, of course, they ignored her. And she went, she told me on the phone, she said, I I tried to do it a couple times. She said, finally, I just quit the job and went into full-time magnesium research. Wow. You know, Carolyn, we've got, there's, there's always so much to talk about because it's just, it's so incredible. I mean, bottom line, everyone listening, take your magnesium, tell everyone, you know, take your magnesium, get Carolyn's book because you will see that it it helps with so many different ailments, the magnesium miracle. It really is a miracle, Carolyn, and you are so well-versed in this. I am so impressed. I want to thank Barleen's. They are our sponsor this month. Uh, They're wonderful. I never forget to take my Omega Swirl. Uh, The mango peach and the key lime, I go back and forth because they're both so delicious. And my 13-year-old happily asked for her fish oil, which is great. They also have a flax oil. They've got powdered greens, fibers, coconut oils, and seed blends. You got to check them out. I love Barleen's. uh, Barleen's Barleen's.com here on Naturally Savvy. We only have sponsors that we actually use and love. And uh, so that's a good way to go. And Carolyn, give us a website that uh, we can find you and all your great work. Absolutely. drcarolindean.com. D-R-C-A-R-O-L-Y-N-D-E-A-N.com. And tell everyone, tell all your friends, they need to come and listen to Naturally Savvy. There's so much great stuff, and it's so important that we get our magnesium. You can check us out, RadioMD.com, at your RadioMD on Twitter, at Naturally Savvy, at Andrea Donsky, at Health Media Gal 1. Take your magnesium and stay well.